Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. What's up, everybody? I'm John. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. everyone to the podcast we are pleased as punch to have kevin's friend kyle with us hi kyle hi (laughs) (laughs) yes no no one should have to go through this alone (laughs) everyone needs a friend (laughs) or even with one companion yeah we are each other's support group at this point i kid because i'm enjoying this movie and this podcast so far um we're talking about uh Masters of the Universe. And this is episode two in our series of, I will admit, a much beloved movie from my childhood that stems from a like a deep and abiding love that I had for the cartoon and all the action figures, and that was a big part of my, you know, everyday life outside of school was playing with those things. So. Me too. Like they were the only <laughs> action figures I had. Like everyone else was playing like Transformers and GI Joe and all that. It's like a uh-huh. blind spot for me, man. It was He Man, right. He Man, He Man up until I had He Man, lots of He Man, a few GI Joes. Mm-hmm. I played with something called Starcom. Do you remember anything called Starcom? It was like, it was a, it was a space toys or whatever. Okay. They were pretty rad though. Um, I don't know if they had a cartoon or not, but. I thought we could take a, a moment to, to reflect on the origins of He-Man. Let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> so, He-Man, created by Mattel yeah. as a toy line. Right. They wanted an action figure toy. Uh, they had passed on Star Wars. Genius. What a yeah. great move. So, they had then tried to make up for that by making deals with, like, to have Flash Gordon toys. Or Clash of the Titans toys and Battlestar Galactica toys. And they all bombed. And they uh, they realized we should just make our own thing that we own, you know, the creative to. Uh, now they're Mattel, their internal research. So the, what what little boys wanted were big muscles and power. <laughs> this was the 1980s, after all. Of course, man. Uh, so He Man was sort of inspired by the like the Conan the Barbarian aesthetic, right? Um, Is there a more misogynistic name for a character ever than (laughs) He-Man? He-Man. Had to really hammer it in there. Uh, It is, though. It sticks in your head, doesn't it? Yeah. It's effective. It's catchy. For, like, a 10-year-old boy? Oh, sure. He-Man. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 the perfect power fantasy like, for a little kid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Superman was taken already. And, and, so and he, our listeners at home would not know it, but, like, the way that Kevin just said it, it was, like, sort of a reverse uppercut. He-Man. You like pump you that have fist. To yeah, baby, you have to. <laughs> uh, so the toys dropped early in 1982, right about the same time that the Conan movie came out. Perfect timing. It was great timing. It was, like, instantly yeah. popular. Uh, the original toys, they were... Packaged with little comic books, which I do not recall. 
that's where like the storytelling yeah began. They, they, their excuse for like how, how they had like you know a character that looks like a skeleton or a skunk or and, and right. beast man or and they felt like how are kids supposed to play with this like what's the story like yeah what how what, what is everyone's motivation what's the world like what's going on here um so then they realized they think they could do even better with a cartoon series right so that followed uh in fall of 1983 it was basically just a way to market the toys right right so genius because i think you weren't allowed to there was some sort of rule like you couldn't advertise toys during certain hours or you could only advertise so much and they're like well what if we just did a whole show <laughs> that's all one long that's ad. genius they're like no laws against that that guy got that guy got a raise dude and a promotion <laughs> absolutely so like that whole the prince adam alter ego and all that was a creation of the series right um has it's obviously missing from the film right uh they were also, I don't remember this from the show, but they were like the humor and like morality lessons oh, yeah. or whatever at the end of the show, like yep. G.I. Joe style. I yeah. don't recall that in He-Man, just watching it, but mm-hmm. apparently they were in there. That was like every cartoon of the 80s, though. Yeah. Like they had, they just to get past like standards and practices, I think they so. had to have like a lesson for kids. You're like busting heads for, <laughs> for 20 <laughs> exactly. minutes. Then at the end, you're like, and don't do drugs or whatever it is. Um, G.I. Joe also like relaunched right about this same time with the same sort of formula, like a series and a new line of toys yeah. and the little morality lessons at the end, which I fucking love the G.I. Joe show. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny, though, Kevin. I was thinking about this because you mentioned Conan the Barbarian, and I'm like, there was like a small stretch of time where Barbarian stuff was like, Sword and Sorcery was like, at its apex within yeah. sort of pop culture. Like, Golden yes. Axe. Yeah, and like, uh, what was it? Uh, Ator, the Fighting Eagle. I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever saw that. Uh-huh. Or, uh, you know, of course, Beastmaster, the, 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 the yes. actual masterpiece Ooh. of the genre. That was the first ever podcast that John came on was when we t- broke down Beastmaster. Oh, what a joy. Best. Amazing. Love Which was movie. obviously, yeah, Conan, I think, was at the crest of that wave. Yeah. Or even um, the Excalibur movie. Yeah, yeah. of Which course. Which was fucking yep. rad. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I it, love that. I mean, maybe Clash of the Titans is sort of the the, the the genesis point of all of that true but it's just it's interesting that like there was a small sliver of time where shirtless muscle men captured america's hearts uh (laughs) i mean maybe most of them were flops and we we never looked back (laughs) right yeah it was amazing to me yeah it was it's isn't so much of life in general it's just timing like we were at the right place at the right time with the right idea and caught lightning in a bottle or whatever yeah 100 percent there was then shira followed yeah yeah, they had a toy He-Man line. for Girls. He-Man for yeah, Girls right. launched in 84. They had their own series, TV show that came out in 85 and has re- been yeah. reborn on Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, the brand by 1987 had kind of plateaued, and they thought, okay, we're going to do a movie. It's going to, like, re-energize the brand. Uh, didn't really work out that way. The movie, like, just strayed far from the mythos and yeah. the look. Yeah, of the I mean, cartoon as well. One would probably argue the movie may have killed the franchise, actually. I think it did more harm than good, yeah, right? It, like, certain. They said it caused a further decline, really, in the brand. Um, then they tried to... Mattel like relaunched He-Man in space yeah. in 1989, which I do not remember. I vaguely remember. I think I had moved on to other toys. I yeah. was like one of the lost uh, I was having customers. Ninja Turtles at that I had, point. Oh, I fuck had, yes, dude, Ninja Turtles. I had an action figure of the He-Man New Adventures, and it was like they gave him blue pants... <laughs> uh, and they cut his hair. Yeah, they gave him an updated look. Yeah, he didn't have like the the page boy haircut the anymore. Hair. Yeah, he had like just like straight back, sort of shorter hair, and like he had like one sort of like 
thing across his I chest. I think I remember that too. Yeah. yeah. It was like sci-fi He-Man, as, as you say. Yeah. Like, I never saw an episode of the cartoon at all, but I had one of the toys. They've relaunched again and again over the years with various reboots. I think there's a new... And they're about to do it again. A Kevin new one Smith. coming out in a couple weeks. Is it Kevin Smith? Yeah. Okay, so... I'm actually excited about it. it looks, the voice talent is like, it's an all-star cast. Did they? Who's on it? All right, so let's start from the top. So... I have no idea who's He-Man, but I know uh, <laughs> Chris, Chris Wood. He was he was on Supergirl. He played a, a character called Monel. So there you go. Okay. Um, Lena Headey is in it. Um, who is she? Lena Headey was Cersei. Well, I mean, who's, I know who she is, but who is she playing? <laughs> this doesn't say so. I'm evil gonna Lynn. guess. I'm gonna evil. guess she's evil. Lynn. evil she's Lynn. got the evil persona down, yeah. Pat. Um, who else? Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is Tila. Yep. It's cool. Um, oh. You you know Skeletor guys, it, bring it, it. Yeah, you have to give that that tidbit out. Oh, that's You're Mark Hamill, uh, uh, who I'm sure voice will. talent as well. His Joker, oh yeah. sure, yeah, it's so good. Everyone loves it. Um, so that's yeah, that's not a bad lineup. And then Kevin Smith helming it. So I think it's going to be. I think it's something to look forward to. Anyway, do we wow. think it's going to be for adults or for kids or both? Both. They're trying to make that. They're trying to hit that. Uh, I Cobra think, Kai demographic. I hope that Kevin Smith. After all the many lessons he's learned as a comic book lover and filmmaker, that he knows that you've got to do you got to do both. A little nostalgia. A and little nostalgia will you know keep the ardent fans, but you've got to also appeal to a younger crowd. Guys, I got to tell you, I just saw Henry Rollins is playing Triclops. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tony Todd, the Candyman himself, yes. is playing a character called Scareglow, which is not one I'm familiar with. He was a skeleton almost exactly like Skeletor, but he didn't have a hood, and he glowed in the dark. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm into yeah, it. I, I, we had that action figure. The, <laughs> best, the best casting of all of this for me Playing Cringer, the the cat, yes. is Stephen Root. Ooh, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Did the cat straight up talk? Like, did he speak English yeah, or did yeah. he just make noise? No, he spoke English. Cringer okay. did. Battle Cat, Battle cat did not speak English, but Cringer did. Yeah. Stephen Root, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> no. I'm, in, I'm here for all of this. Okay, now I'm more excited than I was yeah, five minutes ago. It's going to be ago. good. Um, Anyway, we got a movie to talk about here. Yes. A uh, little Masters of the Universe. It's smart that they didn't call it the He-Man movie because he's really, he's he's missing in action for yeah. three quarters of this film. I wonder if there was more shot with him in it and it, it just, it. it got cut. I think, yeah, I think Dolph Lundgren was not the actor that they thought he was going to be. That he thought he was. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense that Canon would do that. Like, because this is this is the same company that put out like the Barbarian Twins movie yeah. and like all <laughs> kinds of shit like that. So it would be weird unless they just thought, wow, this really isn't working at all. Yeah, I think, and they probably I don't know what they paid him, but it was probably pretty decent money. Sure. If they had him attached like before they started casting anyone else or got a director lined up. Anyway. Jesus. Um. Yeah. Oh well. So I guess before we get started on this second episode, we'll get caught up on what happened the last time. So the movie picks up with Skeletor has just invaded Castle Grayskull with his army. He's taken over. He's claimed that he's in charge of everything now. And outside, the good guys are mowing some bad guys down. That includes He-Man, Tila, and Man-at-Arms. They rescue a gremlin named Gwildor who, come to find out, invented the cosmic key. So they used the 
tunnels in Gwildor's house, which inexplicably lead to Grayskull, find the sorceress, try to rescue her to no avail. Skeletor comes in, all hell breaks loose. Oh, also come to find out Gwildor had the prototype cosmic key, which he brought with him. And then just as they're all about to be captured, they use it. Gwildor starts punching buttons at random. They end up on planet Earth somehow. Skeletor says to track the key to find out where they went. But uh, back to Earth, He-Man and the good guys uh, find that the their version of the cosmic key somehow got lost and... Uh, they're all setting out to find it and figure out what the fuck happened. Well, now, chapter two. Chapter two, we pick up verse one. Exterior, Robbie's Ribs and Chicken mm-hmm. I love an old drive-in. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love the look of this place. Yeah, me too. It was the exact type of place I want to eat when I'm on a road trip. Yeah. Whatever. Fucking awesome. So we got Julie. That's Courtney Cox. She's inside. She's running the register. Dressed in Western attire. Complete with a gun belt and pistol. She had holsters on. <laughs> she was not wearing the cowboy hat that the others were wearing. Little tiny cowboy hat. I thought she looked like something out of a David Lynch movie yeah, or something. Yeah, like. sure. He's yeah. like so good at finding these fresh-faced, like impossibly gorgeous women to turn up in his things. And it's like, I've never she, seen this person she before. Would, I mean, yeah, she could, like, she definitely could have been on Twin Peaks. Like, yeah. Replace Cheryl and Flynn or something like that. Like absolutely that, yeah. or like Laura Dern out of uh, yeah, Blue Velvet totally. or whatever. Good call. Um, so yeah, they've the theme apparently of the restaurant is country western. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's, she's, they're walking whatever gingham shirts and shit. gingham shirts, guns, blue jeans, cowboy hats, bandanas around the neck. I would eat at this place though. Oh yeah, yeah dude. I I I'd never had ribs before when I saw this movie, <laughs> and it made me want to have ribs. Watching it yesterday, it made me want to yeah, have ribs. Me too. Did you get Same. to ribs quickly in your life after the movie, oh, or did God, it take a long time? It took a while, I guess. Uh, ribs to me are like chicken wings. It's a lot of effort for a small reward. Mm, yeah, it's worth it. It just depends on where you get them from. I've had some in Memphis that are like dry rub. Oh, Ooh, the best okay. stuff I've ever had. Ooh. I'm just not going to the right ribs places here. Uh, anyway, you go to Fat Matt's. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good place. Okay, Piedmont. So, inside Robbie's, we got Julie. She's looking wistful. She reveals that she's uh, clocking out for her last time at Robbie's. Her friend is there. She reveals that she's about to move to Jersey. She's moving there to be with Bruce Springsteen. Wait, did, they, did they ever like reveal like who she's going to move with? That's I have a lot of questions got, about like, all this that, yes. that we're gonna that we're gonna talk about. But we're gonna have no, to. No, it's like. No one and plans it, to move to Jersey, well, so you know something went wrong. You know something's gone wrong. Someone, someone that hasn't even graduated from high school yet is planning to move well, to New Jersey. That's my read, but do she talks about I'm going to miss graduation? But so we think that is definitively means she's a senior. Yeah, yeah right now it has yeah. to be. I was hoping that she's older because that her being well, that young makes just so little makes sense now. Agreed. Because also later on, Kevin says I'm just a high school. I'm in a high school garage band, and I'm like fuck. But they everyone both looks, look 25. Yeah, everyone looks older. Anyway, yeah, she's definitely moving there to be with the bus. <laughs> to join the E Street. That's band. right. Uh, so her friend tells her that if she breaks up with Kevin, she's going to regret it. That's terrible advice. Also, do you did you catch well, it? The no, friend, the no one should ever break up with Kevin. No, the friend. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's also true. The friend's name is Monica. Oh, was it? Yeah. I did not catch the friend's <laughs> name. Yeah, the friend's name is Monica. She had like a Linda Hamilton Terminator vibe to me, the yeah. friend. The hairstyle mm. and everything. It was just sure. that mid-80s perm, whatever it How was. How could you tell with that hat? <laughs> 
So Julie's telling Monica then that they both changed, that everything has changed. Speaking of changing, Julie's like changing clothes right in the middle of the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's got to be against health code. Right. Rick, Robbie's a very small place. <laughs> it is. Her friend's pointing out, well, you still love each other. Uh, that's a valid know. point she's making. She, well, at the same time that she's just like pounding a drumstick. Yeah. <laughs> she was inhaling that thing. Yeah. I'm envious. Um, now, Julie, she just says she doesn't want to burden Kevin with her problems. Her friend says, you know, you don't have to move, that your parents would have wanted you to stay. How the fuck does Monica know all this? Like, what do you what do you know about her parents? And also, do it, like, where are her parents? Like, we don't, we assume, it sounds like something bad has happened. Yeah. Right? Um, Julie says she's going to move 3,000 miles away for a fresh start. For with who? Yeah, I don't know. I, I keep thinking it's like uh, maybe she's be got family. family. She has but that's never a cousin. Spoken. No, yeah, it's it, never said. of an aunt or anything. I mean, you gotta uncle. give us something. Like, why not move to? And that's another thing is that we sort of establish is that like must come from a wealthy family sure. to be eighteen years old to just be taking whatever money she's got and just move all the way across sure. the country. I it raises know. so many questions. First, yeah. is what's going on with Julie's denim jacket? That thing <laughs> has got hot. like just dozens of metal studs, like yeah. the, the buttons <laughs> from a awesome. pair of blue jeans all over. It's got like that leather patch that you get on the waist up around the collar. It's fucking rad. It had belt loops on the collar. You pay top dollar for that now. You think? No. <laughs> but back in that day, I bet it was like the shit. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's a car honks outside. It's Kevin. She's come to pick Julie up. Uh, Kevin and his cargo van are waiting out there. It's the same. Sweet. It's the same exact shot that was in the establisher. Like in the establisher, the van was sitting there yeah. as well. Even the same customers were walking back and forth. <laughs> so I'm like, they clearly took a stole a piece of that and used it. Right. Um, there's a certain cool factor I think in having a van like that back in the 80s. Oh, definitely. It's like the shagging wagon or whatever. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Styles in Teen Wolf. Styles yes, dude. Van. Or um. In, in Fast Times, where my high dude was rocking yeah. a van. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the dude playing Kevin, Robert Duncan McNeil, he looked like some type of a hybrid of, like, every 80s teen idol. Like, if you took yes. him into a laboratory, it was, like, Anthony Michael Hall plus Jason Bateman with, a, like, a little Andrew McCarthy. Well, you know what's funny is, I was, I, as I was watching this movie, I was like, I know I've seen that guy in something else. Had and, you? Yeah, he was he was on every episode of Star Trek Voyager. Okay. Oh. Was, I never uh, watched those. It's, it's terrible. It would have been 10 <laughs> years later as well or something? Yeah, it was, it was in the mid-90s. He played a character called Lieutenant Paris. And then, now now he's like a producer of TV shows. He like helped create Chuck and oh, a number of other him. shows that are you know debuting here and there. Uh, so yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a big wig now. He was, bumping, awesome. he was bumping the song Living in a Box by the band Living in a Box. In that <laughs> self-titled <laughs> single. The self-titled. Okay. Yeah, bizarre. Right. Uh, Julie gets in with a bucket of food, and she asks Kevin. She's a keeper, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin asks, when's your bus to the airport, which I feel like he should know He would already, already know that. Uh, she says it's at 8.30, and he's happy because that will allow her to come and check out his sound check. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> that shit is lame. That that's is how, lame. That's how every girl wants to spend her last few hours together. <laughs> to her shit. It's insane. She passes in that bucket Terrible. of ribs, uh, which he points out isn't a romantic last date yeah, meal. Ne- neither is taking her to your sound check, jackass. Like- this is like, he's... Dude, the dude's an asshole. Yeah. And He's obviously butthurt that she's leaving. This is the dude who, like, literally just asked her to come to his sound check. 
there's this long, awkward silence after he gave that line about it not being romantic. And you really just notice that the terrible 80s pop song is playing uh. in there, which I will use on these episodes. Um, on first viewing, I thought the audience was supposed to think that he's an asshole. Like, because he just came off as so hateable. Right? Yeah, I mean, it could be like an attempt at like subverting expectations. Like, yeah. oh no, this 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 boyfriend sucks, and you know he turns around and you know he's not kind of warms on the audience. The worst. But I don't think this movie had that much on its mind. No, I think we're supposed. I think you're supposed to think he's a cool '80s dude. Yeah, and he just comes off as just the worst. He begins pressing her to stay. She doesn't really want to hear it. She said, "Later, fly." She's like, "We decided." <laughs> Which just definitely doesn't sound like a mutual <laughs> thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I remember. Not that, that it needs I to be mutual. Thank you. If she wants to leave, like that's her. You know, that's yeah, her choice. It's her prerogative. Uh, she asks if he'll take her to the cemetery to say goodbye to her parents. Man, the the night is full of fun activities. <laughs> I feel like the stage is set for just the worst last night together ever. <laughs> Ooh. It's like cold ribs, a trip to the cemetery, and a sound check. The cold ribs are the, the standout in this situation. <laughs> Thank God for He-Man. That's yeah. right. <laughs> now, as they drive off, we see Tila. She's there surveying the scene from the bushes. Uh, this place, Robbie's, which we, we discussed, looks awesome. It was a real restaurant at the time that they had redressed to play Robbie's in the movie. And apparently, it is the same parking lot where the Rodney King beating took place some years later. Woof. <laughs> that's just a reality check. Just, all right, that's some trivia right there. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I tried to cue up the beating tape recently, and you can't see anything. No, you just see the, the headlights yeah, it's just, and... It's awful. The does, police does, violence. Does the movie officially establish that this is taking place in California at any point? Yes. Okay. They say they, it? Well, they say the parents are flying to Catalina. Catalina. Oh. So I just I just assumed. And given the terrain in that shot, like I was just like, yeah. I, I feel like it's supposed to be. In Though Catalina. on first viewing, I will say I was just sure they were in Oklahoma or somewhere. Well, with a cow. Right? Like, who has cows wandering around? roaming free-range cows in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> but You never know. But... There's a lot of palm trees also exactly, that we see, yeah. but I did think for sure this was somewhere in the Midwest. Because who goes from California to Jersey? Rich kids. <laughs> to reinvent myself. She, she's doing a, a reverse LaRusso. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Tila, hiding in the bushes, she hears a noise, uh, quickly draws her blaster, and she is ready to kill. <laughs> it's Duncan. It's her dad. Which has that, that's the first time that it's revealed. Was that the case in the cartoon? Yeah. That yes. Tila's yeah. man-at-arms uh, daughter? Okay. Yeah. I had forgotten, and they were late to reveal that in the movie, I thought. Um, so Tila says, uh, you know, that he strayed far from his search area. And he says he was drawn from the smell of those sweet, sweet ribs. An old soldier learns to follow his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, uh, same. Tila seems concerned that they don't have time to stop for a meal, but Duncan says, well, we're not going to save the sorcerers if we die of starvation. That's logic. Well, are you going to start? I don't know how long 0.84 chromons is. I feel like 0.8 is long like enough to almost starve? two days. Okay, that's close enough. you got to keep weak. up your strength. <laughs> save your strength. Um, now, at this about this time, they spot Gwildor also hiding in the bushes there at the restaurant. Behind, behind the couple making out in their 
in their car. Dude, and he's like, yeah, he's like leering at them and sort of smacking his lips in a way that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I love Duncan's. Like, I was doing that before you were even bored. <laughs> Like gross, Dad. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Also, anyway, uh, Gwildor breaks out the grappling hook. He uses it to snag a bucket of food from the couple that's making out in the car. So they go over. They find Gwildor just stuffing his face. He says he was gonna share it with them. Bullshit. Uh, and he's chugging that barbecue sauce, man. <laughs> that's so it's awesome. In his beard, or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. It looks like me every time I visit Community Q. So yes. <laughs> that looked like Carolina style, didn't it? Like yeah. the vinegar-based Big sauce. Time, yeah. I do love that it's just like it's an amalgam. It's just an assortment of meats. <laughs> it is a bucket of meat. <laughs> Chicken, <laughs> meat, meat on meat, toasted meat on meat. Chicken and ribs. <laughs> I really dig Billy Barty's performance in the movie, though. Sure. Like, I think he's having a blast. He's the most committed actor in this outside of Franklin Gella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, like, if there was ever a movie not to take too seriously, I feel like it was this one, and I feel like he was just having fun, you know, doing it, so I can totally uh, vibe on that. Yeah. Um, now, they're all, yeah, they're sorting their bucket of just assorted meat. <laughs> uh, Tila asks, why is the food on these little white sticks? And then she's appalled to find out that they're eating meat. Yeah, Dad. Dad reveals it's a rib bone. Uh, the whole, hold on now. There is no <laughs> way that Adam slash He Man would get the bulk he's got without eating. <laughs> you know, you got to eat muscles to get muscles. Baby. Well, I was wondering the same thing. Is like, what kind of society is Eternia? Is like, she vegan? What like what's going on? Well, over I mean, here? And clearly Duncan. Duncan's like I've eaten. Like, he knows what it is. He has he been to other worlds. He has he been off. That's world? what I'm wondering. Is like Eternia. Is there interstellar space travel? Is it sort of like Thundercats where you get to fly to other <laughs> places? Is it like is it Dune? Like what's the deal? Like what's Eternia's relationship with other planets? It raised a million questions. Is is eating meat unheard of on Eternia? Yeah, oh, apparently, yeah, maybe, maybe. Are they eating these weird boneless, fleshy <laughs> creatures? They're, they're for it. They're like the fun are just like flopping around. All their animals like jellyfish. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, she she comments. This is a barbaric world. Uh, I think Duncan gives her the advice: never think while you're hungry. It's good advice. <laughs> so Tila says we got to get back to searching for the cosmic key. Now, over at the cemetery, Julie is confiding in Kevin that she feels like it's her fault that her parents died. Uh, she says, you know, they were planning to go to the beach, but then she bailed on him so she could study. So she could hang out with Kevin. Is that? Yeah, she says, I no, bailed. No, I thought she said to study. Yeah, but she hung out with Kevin. Oh, I like that. Which I love that that dig. She's basically like, well, well that did it to hang out with you. That gives a reason why she doesn't want to stay with him. Yeah. I thought, like, if they had been, like, fucking, you know, and the parents crashed their plane that yeah. it would make sense that mm-hmm. she couldn't look at him anymore yeah she was like yeah ditched okay. him to hang out with your ass I, they were probably going to the fucking Catalina wine mixer <laughs> was what I was thinking from Step Brothers. I like I that they're just having this conversation now by the way yeah. we it, never it, have talked about been this buried, buried for months probably how long, yeah the, the year on the tombstones was 86 so I don't know how early this is if it's graduation time of 87 yeah. It's been at least then five months or so. It's the spring of junior year. <laughs> Is when they pass? 86. So it's been a full year. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. Um, so Kevin points out her parents wouldn't want her to blame herself, which is probably true. Right. Uh, Julie says she just wishes she could change things. 
Kevin says, that only happens in fairy tales. Which, that is some industrial strength foreshadowing. What? Also, like, the worst possible thing you could ever say to someone at a cemetery. Yeah, nothing changes. Yeah, nothing ever changes. Just internalize this. Deal with it. <laughs> We're late for my sound check. Uh, we got to get to the high school, babe. So as they're going to leave, they stumble upon the cosmic key. It's like in a crater in the Beeping cemetery. and glowing and throwing up steam. Yeah, how did shit wind up there? We don't quite know. It's not for us to know. <laughs> they're both immediately, like, intensely happy. Whoa! And excited. What the fuck is this thing? She, wow! Like, he, I get, because he's a douchebag who doesn't really <laughs> care about her parents, but she was immediately, like, thrilled at finding this thing. That's Whatever the, it is. The quality of Gwildor's design. The tone of the scene just changed on a dime. Yeah. Uh, dumbass Kevin, he says it's a Japanese synthesizer. <laughs> yeah, they, they accidentally hit the play button, so it starts making music yeah. and lighting up. And then immediately he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen this. I did dig what? the sound that the cosmic key made. Like yeah. the. the <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was actually kind of sweet. Um, so Julie's like, well, we better give it to the caretaker. <laughs> He's like, fuck no. He'd just keep it for himself. So Kevin, <laughs> Kevin logic is like, I should keep it for myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Ain't yeah. that America? <laughs> <laughs> oh, back, we cut back to Eternia. Eva Lynn is telling uh, Skeletor that the cosmic key has been activated. Uh, they've got a bearing on the location. How close? It's within a parsecion. Okay. Whatever the fuck that means. That's also just like straight Star Wars plagiarism, right? right? Parsecion. Anyway, Skeletor says get get a lock on that location and send a team of mercenaries. So I think it's Parsec Eon, which even doesn't make even more sense because Parsec <laughs> Eon, an Eon of that's, Parsecs. That's the long. It'd like, be a long way, way, right? Anyway, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Now back on Earth, He Man is kind of skulking around. We finally, where the fuck has He Man been? This He's whole been missing. Time? <laughs> it's the most conspicuous looking shit you can imagine. He is in a residential area dressed like that. He's a, a jacked, like six foot four dude with a cape, a sword, <laughs> and, and a <laughs> pair of bikini briefs, <laughs> and he's like trying to blend in. Now, at the high school... And, and that's it. That was all that was it. you get. That was what we get for now. That's okay. our dose of He-Man. Thanks. Uh, at the high school, Kevin is playing with his synthesizer while Julie looks bored. Uh, Sounds right. Kevin yeah. sucks. He's like a child. <laughs> I have to say, though, his setup is badass. You were it's digging insane. it? Yeah. It's, it's a Fender Rhodes and the Rhodes Chroma Polaris, which you can't oh. find. Like, you can find the, the circuit board for it, like rebuilt circuit boards but to find that keyboard the one that's on top that he's playing on is almost impossible to find so is he out. another rich kid probably or is he making bank he might his be a hard working musician his band illusions <laughs> that's a great 80s band name the director right? said that was the name of his high school band <laughs> that's awesome illusions. Goddard, i love it sounds like a strip club sound checks are boring by the way sound <laughs> yes. checks fucking suck well kevin's like hey julie listen to this and then just play some dog shit. <laughs> but I think he's trying to play whatever the sound was he heard from. Oh, is he already trying key? to riff that Tears for like, Fears? <laughs> Which is a killer riff. Yeah, it's badass. Uh, what do you think? He says. She so like goes along with it. Now he just grabs the cosmic key, starts to play it some more. It's generating this like kind of trippy light show up in yeah. the air, which I did dig that effect I, throughout. I guess though Guldor put some built-in speakers on that. I'm just like... It has, a, it has an integrated speaker, apparently. Yeah. Uh, 
On Eternia, the baddies are like able to zero in on the location of the key now. This dude who looks like a like a middle management Destro. Yeah. <laughs> was up that on is the, awesome. He's dude. like got a silver like chrome dome. That is awesome. He's working the tracker. Uh, Destro. <laughs> That's amazing. Skeletor asks Evelyn if she's assembled the mercenaries, not noticing that they're standing right beside him already. Uh, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> like they are right there. Uh, Evelyn introduces them. So we got Blade, who's basically human. Has a sort of a weird chin strap headpiece on. He looks chain cool. mail. I had the action figure of Blade. Was he a real character, no. or was he from the movie? It was a movie with a movie set of action figures. That's oh, cool. Shit. Were they more human proportions? No, they were about the same size. They were like together. just real bulky. Yeah, yeah. But Blade was one of the ones I had because uh, you know, he had swords. So this guy yeah, is played maybe. by the actor Anthony DeLongis, who played Ketchum in Roadhouse that we did recently. The dude who drives Bigfoot. <laughs> in Roadhouse but he was like a real swordsman apparently and he like choreographed all the sword fight stuff for the film oh great job man. Uh, <laughs> way to go grade A uh, also like apparently that costume the chainmail was like the real chainmail not the Bennett from it's Commando like 50, 50 chainmail pounds like a 50 pound costume that he's wearing yeah we had Salrod this reptilian sort of looking thing with armor and a helmet who had I thought by far the coolest look easily yeah. Probably. He had this sack in his neck that would expand. That was badass. That effect was cool. Yeah. Also, the name was probably just scammed off of Tolkien. Sarad, yeah. Uh, we had the Beast Man. She oh. calls him not Beast Man. I don't know, the but Beast I. Man. He's basically Wolf Man. I was so excited when he when he debuted though. But he. Yeah, I, he looked way different. It, it wasn't Beastman was in the cartoons. He looked very different. Orange yeah. with like a blue face. Was he furry? Uh, yeah, he was yeah. furry, but he was he didn't look like that guy. Okay, this was basically just I felt like a Wolfman costume. They're like, give us a werewolf right. look, yeah, whatever. And then Karg, this kind of diminutive monster with the insane like white mullet, and he's got like a like a jagged hook. He's got a hook. A hand, like I think he, we assume that He-Man probably, he battled He-Man and lost that hand. Maybe. I think the same yeah. for for Blade's missing eye. I have, yeah. to, I have to be honest with you guys. I sort of feel like these were all character costumes that they just had laying around. Totally. They were like, Definitely. Right, that, Lazy. That, that, let's, let's put that guy in all the chain mail from some other night <laughs> movie we were working on. But I totally, I dug Karg's like whole weird vibe that he had, to be honest. Like he was His furs and things. Everything about him, like he kind of worked for me. Whoever that actor was, was really doing it for me. Uh, so Skeletor tells him, "Bring He Man back before moonrise." Tells him, "Go down to Earth, get the key, kill the others if you need to, but bring He Man back alive." Whatever he he doesn't want He Man to be like a martyr figure or some shit. Right. Um, they're standing in a completely different order than they were moments ago as he's like addressing them, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. <laughs> It's he fine. says, open the door, do not fail me, sends their asses through the portal or whatever. Right. Uh, now, back at the high school, Kevin's continuing to marvel at the cosmic key. He wants to take it to his friend Charlie, who runs the, the instrument shop On in the town. night that his girlfriend is leaving town. <laughs> On the night his girlfriend, who he ostensibly doesn't want to leave town, is supposed to leave town. Can't wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Gotta show no, Charlie gotta, now. We gotta take it to Charlie Isn't the now. prom supposed to be starting soon as well? It can't be that night. 
The prom? Is do you think it is? Oh yes. Really? Yeah. Okay. Later on, like prom goers are there. Yeah, I, don't oh, shit, I, I, doing, I don't know why you'd be doing sound check the night like, before. You I don't know. know. I, I don't know. Think it's like weird things about high school and just like leave your equipment set up overnight. <laughs> I could. Tomorrow. I mean, it would make more sense actually. I think, but it is supposed sure. to be prom night. I also okay. think. Um, note that Kevin was also not planning to take Julie to prom. Apparently, He's like no, I got to play. Illusions got to play. <laughs> You'll uh, yeah, man, the punch bowl or whatever. Um, but so yeah, Julie tells him go ahead. She'd rather be alone <laughs> to say goodbye to the empty high school gym. <laughs> I mean, you do you, girlfriend. Spend some time with your memories, whatever. Uh, yeah, sh- she's. This is where she says she's going to miss graduation, which right. I guess does mean they're seniors. Right. Like he definitely seems older. He could be. Could he not be a graduate and she's still a senior? Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's possible. We, I don't know. If they're still in high school, it raises so many but questions. But how is he making enough money gigging? He's like a rich kid, they, I guess. I think. So, yeah. That's my take. Yeah. Has she just been living by herself? That's what I'm saying. Is I guess since her, the parents died? Yeah, she's been living in the house. I guess how? her parents left her a bundle. They must have, because they were but rich, they I must have left her shit tons of money. I would think if she's a minor, if she was 17 back then, how would she have... Yeah, I mean... She's supporting herself off the Robbie's rib wages? I don't know. She'd be, sh- she'd be sh- uh, shunted off to some family out Someone somewhere that, else. Yeah. She'd have to have an adult, I think. She, maybe she's got an uncle like a, that's a lawyer out in Jersey. That's, that's <laughs> sure. Taking care state of this lawyer. shit for her. I don't know. Who, who who's, the same one who sabotaged that plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Kevin oh, is... It took a dark turn. <laughs> Kevin is hesitant to leave, but he does it anyway. Yeah. Leaves her there alone. She's like desperately would rather be alone than oh, around him. Yeah. Like, and oh, he's being God. real pushy, like, you wait right here. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, Julie looks at her locket where she's got pictures of the parents in there. She hears a commotion off screen uh, out in the lobby. We see the mercenaries and a few miscellaneous soldiers have popped through the portal. Julie thinks maybe it's Kevin playing a prank on her. Or Carl the janitor. Or Carl the janitor. <laughs> Play a prank on a student. <laughs> That'd be fucking twisted. <laughs> but anyway. Carl's an asshole. Out in the lobby, we got the custodian, Carl. He pops out to investigate the commotion, and he just gets dealt hey, with. Hey, you can't be here. Wolfman, like, roughs him up. It's odd that the custodian's wearing a letter jacket. Right. <laughs> he went to school there. He went to Central Oh, no High. doubt. Still, he like, still living his... his he's like Al Bundy. Ass. Like, I scored four, four touchdowns, touchdowns in a high school football four game. Four touchdowns. It's a state record. Um, Yeah, they... They throw Carl through the door and burst into the gym area. Right. Julie runs to take cover behind the stage. I feel like if this happened to me, my reaction would be like, just what is this LARPing bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you assume there's real creatures and monsters? This is, I, the, this is the point where I get like extremely disappointed in the scope of this movie because it's like you go yeah. from like <laughs> Universal, Eternia, magic stuff doesn't make any sense but at least like it can tickle your imagination a little bit to dudes in costumes walking around a high school gym <laughs> and it, it, it's like dragon con it oh, feels like yeah, dragon con. yeah it feels a little a little cheap so Saurad and beastman just start shooting at her uh they start a fire in the gym i love that the theme of the prom seems to just be anywhere but here because <laughs> there was like big ben and eiffel tower yeah. pyramids and palm trees and, right. a, and a pagoda yeah. There's like the Leaning Tower Piso is in there. Fucking weird, dude. Um, Karg says, stop shooting. She might be able to lead us to the key, you oh, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. He's the brains. Now, as they surround her, Julie, she scurries under the stage. 
I love the shot of Beastman tearing through the streamers in tinsel. <laughs> like the upshot of him as he's like like waving violently at the tinsel. <laughs> like what? Uh, Blade is just stabbing at her blindly, like through the stage. Right. So I think the orders of don't kill her have just gone out the window. Also, they're back to kill mode. She throws that bucket of ammonia or whatever in Wolfman's face, or Beast the Beastman's beast man, face, the yeah. Beastman's face, uh, and then escapes. Outside, He-Man hears Julie screaming for help. He runs to her. Julie free, flees into the junkyard. Where are we? Is anyone no else, place safer? Is anyone else dubious that? The junkyard is right next door to Central High School. <laughs> I don't know. This is like Backlot USA. Oh, man. I think. Guys, guys, I love a, a good Backlot. Oh, yeah. uh, especially one that like uses the same sets over and over again. Yes. That's rad. I'm a fan. Uh, so the baddies just follow her into the junkyard. They're searching for her in there. He-Man finds her and scares her. But he convinces her that he's here to help. He was like... He had a weird delivery. It was just that, don't well, be afraid. Because, well, it's because I won't he, hurt it sounds you. like he can't speak English. Like, English is a second language, which maybe it was for... I was think he had a Lundgren. Swedish accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah he had a pretty heavy from, accent at the time. Yeah. He's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. I won't hurt you. He's uh, just a big jack dude in his underwear who just grabbed her, though. <laughs> but it was like that, dude, we talk about every Schwarzenegger movie. Has yeah. a scene where Arnold just grabs a woman and tells her, "Don't worry, I'm not gonna hurt you. <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you." <laughs> this imposing guy, <laughs> it's like huge. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Cool, that's fine. So for some reason, he picks her up and carries her and lays her down in a pile of garbage yeah, like, <laughs> and gives her a gun. <laughs> tells her, "Here's a gun. Defend yourself." Uh, why did he pick her up? I don't know. I don't know either, not, man. Not like come over here and sit down. I will set you amongst the garbage. <laughs> so, he man, he easily takes out Stormtrooper number one and grabs the dude's blaster and then just starts laying waste. Again, the, the weapons army. are all so big and clearly very heavy. It's like he's struggling <laughs> he's to like wielding to like, them. Oh god! <laughs> so Saurad's about to shoot He man, but Julie notices and he she shoots Saurad, whose armor maybe saved him. It I guess like, I thought he shot like he shot the gun out of his hand or something. Did I, she she shot the gun out of his hand or he shot the gun out of He-Man's? He shot the gun out of He-Man's hand and then she shot Sarod and it like banked and caught him and he At fell least, or something. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But yeah, Beastman grabs He-Man. They start to grapple a little bit. Uh He-Man knocks him down. Blade pops out, gives a little display of swordsmanship. Uh, I've waited a long time for this. See, I think he, I think He Man took that eye. Yeah, a lot, a lot of unwritten history. <laughs> There's a lot of backstory here. Yeah. Waiting for the prequels. Still, uh, He Man he bests Blade with ease, and then he beats up Salrod. He stops Karg from taking Julie by just throwing his sword at him, which mm-hmm. there's really no reason that, that would stop Karg from just grabbing her, though. Mm-hmm. Still, it's like ah, the sword. Let me just yeah, run we don't know for what the it. sword's power is. Now, just then, Duncan and Tila show up. They run in shooting. Uh, the four mercenaries, they retreat. He-Man tells Tila and Duncan to follow those baddies because they must have a portal back to Eternia. Right. Which is a good point, right? Yeah. Is the portal just open in the high school somewhere? It has been. It, it opened in be. the lobby. They don't have a key no. to get back. Nope. So I guess the portal is just sitting there open. Um, anyway, He-Man tells Julie he needs her help. <laughs> Cut to Charlie's music shop. Kevin has uh, <laughs> arrived. He's just Jimi Hendrix is blasting, which caught me off guard. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, yeah, this is a weird music choice. Like you have a good song, like a, a classic 
rock that seems like it probably would have been expensive. Good taste. Well, yeah, but it's like looped. It's like the same like ten, ten seconds. <laughs> Do you remember when? Remember when uh, Kevin said he was going to be gone for fifteen minutes? Yeah, <laughs> like Jesus. however long ago that was. Uh, uh, Charlie says to him, "I heard you were good last night at Club Zero." <laughs> and Kevin's like, "Thanks, no man, we're going to be better tonight." CISA prom is tonight. Prom. At the You're prom. rock this high school prom. A waste of time, though. The viewer's time. Yeah. Just weird lines yeah. that amount to nothing. We're supposed to respect him as a musician now. <laughs> Chops. Charlie thinks he's good. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, he shows him the cosmic key. Charlie just immediately bullshitting. It's like, oh, I've seen these before. It's Japanese. Bullshit. What? Is he just pathological liar? Like, I don't know why he <laughs> leaps straight to lying about it. Oh, Charlie. But they have the same line of thought, that it comes from Japan. All the best yeah. stuff comes from Japan. That's right. This is the 1980s. Uh, Kevin assures Charlie that he's wrong and shows him how it works. Charlie's mind is blown, though, by the light show. Dude, yeah. Uh, Charlie wants to buy it off of him. Says, And he wants to know where he found it. I've never seen anything like it, he says, which is just immediately <laughs> flies in the face of his, I've seen oh, these I've seen before. This before. <laughs> uh Kevin tells him it was in a crater, and <laughs> I found it in a crater in the cemetery. Yeah, I love Kevin's honesty. He said, I hoped you would know what it was. Uh, Kevin fiddles with it some more, and Charlie remarks, oh, Mr. Pitch Perfect. Can, can confirm he did hit a D-sharp. Oh, yeah? Are yeah. you Pitch Perfect? No. As well? No. I thought you were for some reason. I have good relative pitch. Okay. Yeah. P- explain to the audience what means Pitch Perfect. Yeah, having perfect <laughs> pitch means that you hear a note and you immediately know what that note is. We know that's just going to be important later in the right. film, apparently. Yeah. Otherwise, there's really no reason for it. Now, does it mean you can memorize something from hearing at a time or Not two? necessarily, but you would know exactly like... like you could remember note the notes, was. maybe. Right. Okay. Uh, now, the pair, they notice a flurry of uh, fire trucks zooming past the shop. Charlie turns on his humongous radio <laughs> that he has. It looked like it had a TV built into it, maybe. Yeah, it was like one thing, of yeah. those. Um, they hear there's a, high, a fire at the high school. Kevin's thinking, oh, shit, that's where I abandoned Julie. <laughs> on her last night <laughs> on in her town. On her last night in town. Uh, what, yeah. What's so going to happen? Kevin runs out of there to investigate, and uh, that's where we will leave you. Oh, my gosh. The suspense is really ramping up. <laughs> This movie keeps you on is the edge of your seat. Is he in this movie? <laughs> We've seen him for... We saw, uh, him, we saw him for two minutes. In, in, the, in the last 20 minutes, he's appeared in God. about two minutes of the film. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm fine. Good. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. We all made it. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to our <laughs> friends on the Last of the Action Hero Podcast Network That's right. for listening. Uh, we hope you guys will tune in for episode three that you won't leave us alone with this hot garbage, <laughs> as my friend Andrew Miller would say. And uh, good journey. We'll good be journey. back.